0: Your highest, most powerful value in a meeting doesn't come from having all of the information and having all of the answers. It comes from being willing to be the person who is most committed to getting to a solution and to using that commitment to drive how you engage with people in the meeting. When you become the person who's like, all right, I'm gonna get the information, let's talk about this, that's where the presence comes from, right? Like that's how someone very, very confident would respond Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Jess. I'm a career coach for women and a host of this show. And today I am talking about a topic that I get very excited about that makes me very happy. I hope it'll make you happy too. I hope you'll get as excited as I am. And this is the topic of becoming a very powerful presence in meetings. And I think and I predict. That what I'm going to share in this episode is going to surprise you, and it's not going to be what you think. <laughs> so make your prediction for what you think I'm going to say, write it down, and then let's see if it matches in the end. And the reason I get excited about this is because when I think about helping you become a powerful voice in meetings— I think one thing that's really important for me is to help you see that there are lots of options and lots of paths to get there. Because I see often with my clients, they feel stuck and they feel like because they experience nerves or their voice is shaking. Or because they don't feel that strong, powerful presence in their body, that means that they're doomed. And that means that they can't have a powerful presence in meetings. And number one, if you feel the symptoms of like lack of confidence in your physical body, you can still exude quite a strong presence for your audience because they can't really see what you are feeling. And it is possible to talk through the shaking. It is possible to help your body calm down as you talk. Right, And so Those don't have to dictate how your presence is for the entire meeting. But more importantly, power can come in a lot of different ways, right? And so I love this broad definition of what it means to be powerful in meetings because it's going to give you different places to find your power. Like your power might not come from where you think it's supposed to come from, right? Like not that you can't work through the shakes and like develop that that strong sounding voice you absolutely can but that your power in a room might come from your intellect right like that might be the thing that is really helping you take up space in a super effective way everyone's going to have kind of a slightly different strength that they lean on where that strong powerful high impact presence comes from and so today I hope to broaden your perception of what that could be. Really excited to walk you through that. And before I go real deep on that, I want to invite you to join me for the Art of Speaking Up Academy bonus mini-series. I'm doing a little dance Because I love the Art of Speaking Up Academy, it is my group program that is dedicated to helping you grow your confidence and become a best-in-class communicator in meetings. I think it is one of the best, most unique, most powerful programs out there for becoming a strong voice in the meeting room. And because I'm going to open doors to that program in November, I am doing something special for those of you who are on the wait list. So if you are on the wait list for the next launch, you are going to get a free mini training, mini lesson delivered straight to your inbox every Monday with a real piece of content from the curriculum of the Art of Speaking Up Academy. I wanted to give you a taste of what it's like to be in that program. And I wanted you to be able to jumpstart your journey of finding that confident voice long before the program even begins. And so if those are things that are appealing to you, you wanna make sure that you're on the wait list because as soon as you sign up, you will get lesson one. And then every Monday, you will get that week's lesson, and you'll get to be part of this experience where you're deepening your communication skills before the program even opens for enrollment, right? You don't have to wait until doors open to get started in your journey. If you would like to join, which you totally should because communication skills are really important and can literally alter the future trajectory of your entire career, I built my career on very strong communication skills. By the way, it was not perfect and you don't have to be perfect either. But if that is important to you, head over to jessguzzitcoaching.com slash academy Add yourself to the wait list, and you will get lesson one delivered to you immediately. And then every Monday, you will get that week's lesson. And like I said, it'll give you a taste for what the Academy is like. So I hope you enjoy it. I will pop that link in the show notes as well. And now we're going to talk about being a powerful presence in meetings. And I'm smiling because I'm excited to help you with this because this topic is so important. So when I say powerful presence in meetings... What I mean is that you are someone who, when the meeting is over, right, or maybe during the meeting, but it could be between the meeting, but the things that are going through people's minds are things like, wow, that was effective. She is good. I'm glad she was in the room, right? So when I use the phrase powerful presence in meetings, what I'm speaking to is actually your audience's internal experience about you. And when they're having this internal experience of being very impressed, and this feeling of like, oh, wow, like I want to make sure she's in the next meeting, or I want more, or I'm looking forward to her next meeting, or I want her on my next project. When your audience is having that impression of you, in my mind, that means that you have had a standout presence in that meeting, right? It is all about what experience your audience has had. And so today, This is a two-parter because there's quite a lot to share here. But today, I'm going to give you one way to do that. There are many ways to do that. And the ideal is to learn all of the different ways and have them all working together at once, which is, by the way, exactly what you will get in the Art of Speaking Up Academy. You learn all the different ways to be a powerful presence in meetings so that they're all working for you at the same time. But today, I am touching on just one of them which is this idea of what it means to be a leader and acting as a leader in the meeting room. You have the presence of a leader in that meeting. And because you have the presence of a leader, you are exuding power and making a very strong impression on the people around you. So in order to explain this to you, I'm gonna walk you through in part one, the difference between being hands versus being a brain, a set of hands versus a brain. And I'm going to explain what that means in meetings. And then in part two, I'm going to go through more examples and ways for you to do this so that you can understand this even more deeply. So I'm going to start with hands versus brain. This is so important. And if you plan on advancing and getting promoted and getting into leadership roles and eventually getting into executive roles, this concept is essential for you to soak in and become really, really proficient at. So hands versus brain refers to two different ways that you approach your work. And for purposes of this episode, two different ways that you approach meetings. So I'm going to define hands, I'm going to define brain, I'm going to walk you through what they look like, and then I'm going to talk about what it means for you in meetings and how you use the concept of hands versus brain to have that powerful presence in those meeting rooms. So hands, when you are functioning as hands, you are executing the work, right? You are making the document, right? You are executing the marketing campaign. You are doing the work. Like whatever your role is, you are doing the execution of the output. You are creating the output. That is hands, right? You're using your hands. I want you to think about it as like if we have a factory and an assembly line, you're on the assembly line using your hands to make the widgets. Okay, then there's brain. Brain is when you're using your thinking to direct other people's hands, right? Or to help make your own hands even more effective. So brain is where you take your hands off of the assembly line in that factory example. You look around at the factory and you start looking at, hmm, where can we get faster? Where can we produce less waste? Like where can we make this easier for people? Where can we make the process more seamless? So you've taken your hands off of the assembly line, and you've started using your brain. Now, the best way to understand this and to help this concept sink in is to oversimplify it, and this is an oversimplification, and just to say, the CEO is the brain of a company and everyone else is the hands, right? The CEO decides the direction, they make the high-level decisions, and then everyone at the company is the hands, and they execute, right? Now, I share that because I think that's a really easy way to understand the difference between hands versus brain. The CEO is not cranking out documents or working on output, and yet what they're doing is highly valuable and highly important. They are using their brain to make those high-level decisions so that other people can crank out documents and work on outputs. Now, the nuance here is that everyone's position in a company is a certain percentage hands and a certain percentage brain. And typically, the more senior that you are on the org chart, the more executive you are, the higher of a title you have, the more brain you have in your job description versus hands. So when you enter into the workforce and you're entry level and you're in your first job ever, Your job might be 99% hands, 1% brain. Someone might say, here's a pile of documents. I need you to do this to these documents. And when you're done, I'm going to give you another pile in your hands, right? Then you might advance into middle management and your role might be 50% hands, 50% brain, right? Not only are you doing some work and working on outputs, but you're managing a team and you're making higher level decisions. This is by the way, why middle management can be so hard is because you haven't fully transitioned into brain. You're still doing a lot of hands and you're doing a lot of brain and you're probably doing a lot of brain for the first time. So it can be a little bit overwhelming. So if you are in middle management and it feels like a lot, that could be a reason why. But then as you move past middle management and into higher and higher levels, you're going to be a much higher percentage of brain. And as you get up into executive levels, your job is going to be almost 100% brain because it doesn't make sense for you to be spending your time doing hands tasks because you are so highly compensated that they want you to be spending that time using your brain, and you can hire someone who might have less experience than you, who it makes sense to have that person take the hands work off of your plate. However, you are expected to function as the brain and sort of direct that person who's doing the hands work. So that is hands versus brain. So there's a, like a lot I could say about this, right, when it comes to management, leadership, et cetera. But I want to bring specifically for these episodes, I want to bring this concept of hands versus brain into meetings, right? This is where this gets really interesting and really, really subtle and really nuanced. So when you're in a meeting at work with your colleagues, you could function as hands or you could function as brain. And what I'm offering you in this episode and in this series of two episodes is that one way to be a wildly powerful presence in meetings is to move from hands to brain. And this isn't the most obvious thing. And so that's why I wanted to record these episodes to help you understand this. So hands is doing the actual work. Being on the assembly line, making the widgets, brain is zooming out and seeing the bigger picture and making higher level, often more strategic decisions. Now, I'm gonna share a common thought error that a lot of you have. I've had it too, no shaming. Whenever I like point out a problem that you might experience, I never want it to come off as shamey. And if it ever does, I want you to bitch slap me because. I wanna be like very direct on this show about showing you exactly the problem because when you see the problem, you have so much more power to fix it, but I never wanna come off as shamey. So whenever I say that this is a thing that you might do, I've probably done it. There's no judgment of myself for doing it. I have no judgment of you for doing it. So just side note, caveat, just wanted to share that because that's super important. But if I tiptoed around it, then you wouldn't get the messages clearly and that wouldn't benefit you, right? So that's like the balance that I'm always trying to walk. And like I said, if I'm ever coming across preachy or shamey, just give me a bitch slap, right? Like send me a DM and be like, look, stop talking down to me because I don't want to be doing that. I can't stand it when people do that. I find that so annoying. But anyway, here's a problem that you might be running into. And this is a thought error that you might have. And by the way, a thought error is just a belief that you have that's wrong, right? And I love the phrase thought error because it reminds me that a lot of the thoughts that run through my brain are errors. And I find that really helpful in like recognizing where I'm getting in my own way. So a thought error is a thought you have, you think it's true, it's not true. A thought error that a lot of you have and that you might have is that the way that you add value in meetings and an important way to add value in meetings is to have the answers, to be the expert, to know the information, to be on top of everything, right? And this is why so many of you are really afraid of like um, having something unprepped, a dynamic conversation, being put on the spot, being called on, because you can't always prepare for that and you want to have the information and have the answers. So you're scared someone's going to be like, hey, how does this work? And you're not going to know and then you're not going to have anything to say to them what I want to offer is that that is a thought error. And the reason that it's a thought error is because when you are expecting yourself to have all the answers in order to be effective in a meeting room, you are acting as hands, right? What hands looks like in a meeting is I have all the information, I have all the answers, and I am here to dispense it to you. That's a very handsy (laughs) I feel weird using the the word handsy cuz that like <laughs> reminds me of someone who's being like creepy and gropy. So but I don't know what other word to use. But anyway, that's a very handsy way of approaching a meeting. Gosh, this episode's going to get so weird, everyone. I'm so sorry. But that's a very handsy way of approaching the meeting, right? It's like, I have this context. I'm sharing it with my audience. If they have a question, I have to know the answer because I'm here to dispense this information to them because in that situation, What you're saying is like all of my value comes from just like sharing this output with you. Like I'm coming to this meeting to share these widgets with you that I've been making. And if you ask me a question and I don't know, then it means like I'm not very good at making these widgets. I'm not doing my job well. I don't have the information, right? It's a very handsy approach. It's very tactical and tangible. It's like I need to know everything. I want to contrast that with what it means to be a brain. In a meeting room, right? So when you're acting as a brain in a meeting room, you don't care so much whether you have the answer immediately or not, because you're not thinking, like, do I have this exact concrete piece of information to answer this person's question? You're thinking, like, why are we here in this room? why is this person asking this question and what needs to happen next, right? So let's, I'm going to run it through an example to make it really clear for you what it's like to be handsy versus brainy when you're in a meeting and you get asked a question that you don't know, okay? When you're being handsy, and let's say you're sharing a slide with someone and you're showing them the timeline for your project. And this person is like, hey, like, how are you gonna finish phase three of this project with this size budget? I don't see any room in the budget for um contractor support that we're gonna need to execute this. You get that question. In your head, you think, oh crap, like I haven't accounted for that. I didn't know we needed contractor support, I don't know how much that costs. And You think there's a problem because you don't have an immediate answer to that person's question. So the the handsy view of that is, I need to know exactly where this fits into the budget, and I need to be able to answer this person right now. Otherwise, I am not valuable in this meeting, right? What a brain would do when they get that question is instead of getting very wrapped up in like, oh, I need to have the answer— the brain would remember the only thing that matters is that this project gets executed, right? The brain knows that all that matters is that we get from point A to point B. And so the brain is not as concerned with, I need to have the answer for you right now and I need to feed it to you in this meeting. The brain is just concerned of like, are we gonna be able to get from point A to point B? So instead of thinking, I need to have the answer right now about this contractor and how much it costs and how we're going to get through phase three, the brain is thinking, let's make sure that this project can get through to the end because that's the most important thing. So rather than focusing on the fact that you need to have the answer and the information and the expertise and being very much in the hands of like, I got to get you asked me for this widget, I got to give you the widget the brain is in the question of like, let's make sure we get from point A to point B. And that question has nothing to do with you needing to have the answer in that moment. Like if all you care about in that moment is are we going to be able to deliver, you are going to do whatever you can in the moment to figure that out and whatever you can after the meeting to close any open loops. So if someone says, I don't see a contractor in here, are we going to be able to execute this project? If you're in hands, you will panic and feel like you failed because you don't know the answer to that. If you are in brain, you will ask yourself, what needs to happen to make sure we get from point A to point B. And so you might probe with that person and say, interesting, can you tell me a little bit more about the contractor piece? Can you walk me through what you envision is needed there and what the costs are? Let's talk about it. And then you will start learning about it. And you might actually be able to solve that in the meeting, not because you had the answer, not because you were using your hands to give the person the answer and hand the person the widget, but because you used your brain, your brain identified the goal, your brain identified the problem getting in the way of the goal, and then you used your brain to do the best you could to clear that problem and get it out of the way so you could move towards the goal. It's a very different way of thinking, right? And this doesn't mean that, like, you want to not have answers to things, right? And I'm not saying that like, it's not helpful if you're like, oh, this is how much a contractor would cost. Like I have all the answers for you. But what I'm saying is your highest, most powerful value in a meeting doesn't come from having all of the information and having all of the answers. It comes from being willing to be the person who is most committed to getting to a solution and to using that commitment to drive how you engage with people in the meeting. If getting this project from point A to point B is truly so important to you, you are deeply invested in creating this result, you are so committed then when you get asked this question, you are not going to waste time thinking, I should have had the answer and I don't have the answer. You are immediately going to put your mind to work on how can we get the answer because this is important and this matters. It's a subtle shift in thinking, but when you're functioning as a brain, you view yourself as a creator of solutions, a solver of problems, someone who's agile in the conversation, not just someone who's there to like spit out information, and this is the crux of where the powerful presence comes from. Two different people could get asked the same exact question in a meeting. There's no contractor budget on phase three. How are we going to get through this project? The person who's acting very handsy and is like, oh, no, I need to have all the answers is going to have a much less powerful presence than the person who's acting as a brain and is like, I am determined to get this thing over the line. Let's talk about this. Tell me about the contractor. What does that look like? What other meetings do we need to have after this? What loops need to get closed? Closed, right? That is where your presence and your confidence is going to come from. It's not going to come from having every answer. It's not going to come from you being like an encyclopedia, like a Wikipedia or a Google. People can ask you whatever question they want to ask you, and you're just magically going to have all of the answers. That is not where presence comes from, right? And often when we're trying to be that, We're over-preparing and we're compensating, right, because we don't have the confidence or the skill to step up and act as a brain. The power comes from being the person who is most committed to getting closer to a solution, right, and the person who engages in the meeting from that level of commitment and from that perspective of being a brain and not being in the weeds and at the level of hands, right? Right. This doesn't mean that the weeds don't matter. This doesn't mean that like having the answer isn't important. We need to find out if there's budget for the contractor in phase three, right? That's all important. But when your brain is purely in hands mode, you think you failed because you don't have that information. Whereas when you are in brain mode... It's almost irrelevant that you didn't have the information because in order to solve it, all you need to do is get the information. And when you become the person who's like, all right, I'm going to get the information. Let's talk about this. That's where the presence comes from, right? Like that's how someone very, very confident would respond if they didn't necessarily have the answer. And so we often lean on hands. We lean on having the answer. We lean on being an encyclopedia when we are lacking confidence, but when we feel confident and we trust in ourselves, We realize we can show up as a brain, which means we don't have to have all the answers and it is not a prerequisite whatsoever for a successful meeting. Like it's not a prerequisite that we have all the information. We can go into a meeting 80% prepared, 70% prepared, 50% prepared, less than 50% prepared, right? We can go into that meeting room and still lead and shepherd others really effectively because we are going to act as a brain. This is the same reason why when you're in someone else's meeting and you are not the expert or you don't know about their project, this is why you can still have impact and still be a powerful presence in that room because you can be a brain, right? So it's not just as the person who's the head of the meeting who can be the brain. You can be the brain whatever position you're in in that meeting room, right? So being handsy in someone else's meeting would look like being like, well, I don't have any knowledge about this, like these aren't the widgets that I make, so like I don't know how to help here, what to do, so I'm gonna stay quiet in this meeting. But being a brain in that meeting would be thinking something like, okay, I'm gonna take in the information that they're sharing, I'm gonna make some deductions, I'm gonna make some inferences, I'm gonna ask some questions, and then I'm gonna show up as the brain the person who is the CEO who is committed to getting the solution, who cares more about getting from point A to point B than anything else, and who isn't consumed in the details of the hands, and who isn't so worried that they don't understand every single piece of information about how to create the widget. It's a different way of thinking, and as soon as you click into it and try it out, it will change the game for you. Meetings will feel completely different and you will engage with other people, specifically with executives at such a higher level. Their respect for you will grow. You will feel less stressed out. Like the time will fly by so quickly because your brain is going to be in, Like the important parts deeply engaged with the problem solving, with the project, versus worried about having all of the answers. And so I wanted to lay this foundation for you of brain versus hands, because in part two, I'm going to talk about all of the different ways to act as a brain in meetings. And what I really want you to take away from this is that expecting yourself to have all of the answers. Every piece of information, every last little detail to never be caught off guard, that is you trying to be hands. And that is valuable, but we have a whole world of brain out there that you can bring that is way more powerful. And that is really what I want to walk you through. So in part two, I'm going to walk you through. All of the ways to add value in meetings, to be a powerful presence in meetings without having to have all the answers, without having to be the hands, without having to be the person who knows how to do every little thing and who knows every little detail, right? Remember, the CEO doesn't know the details. They still have to show up for all these meetings and interact. How can they interact if they don't have the expertise? It's because they're showing up in the meeting as a brain. In part two, I'm going to give you concrete ways to do that so you can powerfully take up space and stand out. It's going to be so helpful. So keep tuning in. And if this topic is important to you and you were like, I need to be more of a brain in the meeting room, number one, get on the wait list for the Art of Speaking Up Academy so you can start getting the bonus mini series right away. And number two, I highly suggest you join me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. We spend an entire month just working on this one topic, working on showing up as a brain, working on adopting the CEO mindset, working on getting out of that mindset of being hands, being a worker bee. That mindset not only makes meetings more stressful, but it also keeps you from growing because people who are very handsy and very worker bee tend not to advance into leadership levels as quickly. It is the people who demonstrate a lot of brain that develop the reputation required to advance into executive roles really, really fast. And that is what I help you with inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. So get on the wait list. We open doors in November, but once you're on the wait list, you are gonna start getting those mini lessons delivered to your inbox every Monday. I am so pumped about it. So I will see you in your inbox and I will see you in part two. Have a beautiful day. Bye.